Well, welcome to the Situation Report for <clears throat> January 30th, 2024. So this is Lieutenant Colonel Murray, and it has been a week of gaslighting, gaslighting, or gaslighting. It's been entertaining. And if you've been around me long enough to know, you know that I like my bullshit freshly packaged and well-delivered. And my God, has it been well-delivered in the last week. The, uh, the interesting thing of that, man, never ceases to amaze me, is just the sheer volume of BS that comes out of D.C. It's amazing. I, I have never seen anything like it, especially for the last couple of months where D.C. seems to be endlessly wrapped in fiction, more fiction, followed by more fiction, followed by more fiction. And oh, the drama, the drama, man, this week has been nothing but drama. And it's, look, everything you're seeing is fiction. It's gaslighting in fiction. Case in point. So three American soldiers died supposedly on the Jordanian border. Nobody can say where, nobody can say when. Of course, they're all black, go figure. And then on top of that, they're going to strike Iran, but they're reaching out to, to Iran diplomatically to tell them what we're going to bomb before we bomb it so they can clear it out. It's all fiction. It's a script that they're running with Iran so they can justify widening the war. But here's the big picture. The big picture, we don't have the manpower, the training, the war stocks, or the production to go fight a war, especially in Iran. And yet again, the American public's gonna be duped into supporting yet another war. There's, there's no reason for us to be looking for a conflict anywhere, especially in the Middle East. We left our troops in Syria and in Iraq, in Iraq for no other reason than to be bullet magnets so we could justify going to war. That was the whole program. There is no other reason for us to be there. There's no other reason for us to even entertain the, the idea. And more importantly, this, this current regime is completely wrapped up in nothing other than destroying this country. And they're deconstructing the Constitution as we speak. So on the table right now is a bill that will ban militias in total. And the whole point of it is they are trying to pass laws to restrict the Second Amendment without having to pass gun laws. So if they restrict militias and the militias' ability to exercise the Second Amendment, then guess what? You're in violation of law and you can't use the Second Amendment. The whole, the whole point of the exercise is they're trying to dissuade and intimidate people into not organizing because they know what's coming. They know that there's a backlash brewing against the press, against politicians, against local government, against bureaucrats in D.C. It's brewing, slowly but surely brewing. And in every case, as these things start to bubble to the surface, and you're seeing this play out in Europe right now, you are seeing the European theater blowing up right now for two very specific reasons. The first one is 
the Europeans have had enough of the EU. They've had enough of the bureaucrats in Brussels trying to push the climate agenda and the zero carbon. You know what zero carbon means, right? It means no humans. That's what it means. None of us, only them. All of it's fiction, folks. All of this is a script. They've scripted this out with the uh, the Fourth Reich in Israel. And by the way, I think it's interesting that anybody that even questions the narrative anywhere on the planet about what what Israel is doing in Gaza is automatically labeled anti-Semite. Automatically. That's unbelievable. By the way, is the chat working? Because I don't see any. I don't see any comments in the chat. I don't, I don't think it's working. Let's see. Let's put a test message out there. We'll see if it's actually working today. It's been an interesting, uh, interesting day. So it's saying that my stream is offline, which is interesting, and it should be. It should be online, which is weird. But it shows up in the live stream that I'm actually streaming. Hmm. Interesting. That's their new API, I think. Anyway, lots of things going on right now. I, I think the most interesting thing that I've seen this week is this controversy over uh, the NFL and the whole Taylor Swift thing. Look, would it really surprise anybody if that was a scripted relationship just prior to an election? And does it really matter? Does it really matter what Taylor Swift does? I, I don't care. Anything out of Hollywood is make-believe. Anything out of out of the country music scene or pop, it's all it's all crafted. It's all been architected. It's all been pushed through predictive programming, AI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the uh, the thank you by the way. I, I don't know why this is not not displaying correctly for me, but it's it's uh, yeah. <laughs> It's another technical Monday. That's what it is. I think the uh, the interesting thing that I've seen, um, in addition to all the the, the run up to war, the the entertainment industry and all that crap, we're we're seeing this unreported rise in racial racial hate crimes against uh, against whites. There's been several deaths. Um, across the U.S., basically black teens going after and beating people to death, and it's not being reported anywhere. I don't know if it's being prosecuted, if they're being prosecuted, but it's not being reported anywhere. And it's showing up now on Twitter and social media and other feeds. But what's interesting about it is the 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 press is radio silent about it. And you would think that trying to drive a a, a race war right now would be, um. Well, a race war right now would benefit the elite for a variety of reasons. One, it would distract all of all of us and distract people in major cities, and it would distract away from what they're doing both in D.C. and overseas. So I don't know why it's not getting wider coverage. I could tell you that from an information operations standpoint, that would be a key influence because if you want to drive a, a wedge through the population, which is what their game plan is, you always use a catalyst event. Look at what they did with George Floyd. They use a 15-second video with a 15-second sound soundbite, and it blew up an entire city. 
and it was right delivered right on time, right on schedule, in the right area, and it blew up the entire city. And then the rest of the nation followed. And a lot of outcroppings came out of that. They could have extended that and kept that going for a long time. Where I think they screwed up on the whole George Floyd thing was the gold caskets, all the the uh, the virtue signaling, and all the BS. They took it all the way to, all the way to the uh, to the other extreme, which took it too far, which even turned off the black community to it. But the guy was a he was a criminal that died of other causes. But the the point still remains that that catalyst event was used. To divide the population i don't think it's going to have the same effect now and i don't think that people are going to buy into that narrative like they did before just like the covid narrative's done the disease x thing that that narrative is done the the who treaty is done that's not going to happen why because people are awake now you see most of europe starting to blow up over the taxes the, the carbons, the carbon credits, the social scoring system. And look, they're going to bring that here. They're already trying to build this, this uh, basically disinf disinformation bureau, which is basically an information control bureau. And they rebranded it and moved it under from DHS, moved it into the intelligence organizations and moved part of it to CISA. They moved CISA overseas, so now CISA has overseas location. Why does CISA need overseas locations? I'll tell you why. So they can manipulate the elections. They can manipulate free speech. And you're already starting to see that with throttling, shadow banning, et cetera, on Twitter already. I, I, I said, first off, I don't trust Elon Musk. I didn't trust him then. I don't trust him now. And this week with the Neuralink, the first quote-unquote Neuralink test subject, my question is, why would anybody sign up for that? Why didn't Why didn't Musk do it first? You see how the game's played? They tell you that it's that it's you know somebody's a guinea pig. Somebody somebody went under the knife. They're doing well. Yeah, probably already happened a year ago or two years ago. Two or three dead test subjects, and now they've got a live subject because they figured it out and figured out what they did wrong in the first two tests, and now they're rolling it out to the public. But why would you want a chip in your head? Especially if we're worried about EMP, we're worried about, you know, a cyber attack. There's no firewall for your brain. So you, you put a chip in your head, you're on your own. And you don't think that this group of malcontents, narcissists, and psychopaths is going to leverage that for their, their own um, narcissistic devices? They, they absolutely are. They're going to use that in every way, shape, and form to drive all kinds of control. And then you're going to start seeing people do even weirder things and go off the reservation completely. Uh, why would somebody sign up for that? That's just stupid. There's the, the anyway. I need to get to some admin notes too because I didn't. Uh, I didn't do this at the start of the show. Again, 30 minutes of cursory IT setup to get this damn thing to work. Um, I was off the net yesterday. I, ha I had family stuff going on and, and that'll probably continue for the next week or so. And I'm arguing with the feds over a couple of different things. One's, one's taxes. The other one is, um, ATF stuff. So if I'm off the net, we'll be around tomorrow for the five o'clock. I'm not sure who's going to be on the show tomorrow. Um, 
I think uh, Colonel Johnson is uh, is um, traveling. I think um, he might be out of pocket. And I think that uh, um, Colonel uh, Conrad will be there. Troop will definitely be there. And let me address the troop thing. I, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of mixed feedback, but the reason why I have troop on the show now on a regular basis is for one reason, one reason only. The guy is an expert at emergency management. He's an expert at it. He does threat threat analysis for a living. I couldn't think of a better person to be looking at the current situation and putting out his opinion on threat and next ask, you know, the aspects of what's coming from that threat. And, you know, he, he has a very wide depth of knowledge on a lot of different things. And that, that, you know, to me, that's a, that's a force multiplier, no matter how you cut it, it's a force multiplier. Plus he throws in the zingers, which makes it always entertaining to have on the show. <laughs> so the other thing I put out this week is, I put it in Telegram. I didn't put it on uh, True Social or Getter or Gab or Twitter, but um, I've asked uh, the audience to do, because um, I don't have time. I don't have time to do a logo for the T-shirt. We want we to do T-shirts so that we can support troops, uh, nonprofit. All the profits from this are going to go directly to his, his 501 or 503C uh, nonprofit. And... It's a way for us to have people help without helping and get something cool in return. And I don't have time to do the the logo and the shirt, but I want to do uh, like an army star. I have a I have a challenge going. I'm going to send out to whoever the the winning uh, designs are, and I want to I want to have have the design competition with you know one team one fight, um, and you know some of the isms because I I routinely get that. I need to write down the list of isms that both Troop and I use, um, but this would be a good way to do that. Come up with a, a you know wide variety of T-shirts. I already got one today. I joined Weight Watchers to meet fat girls. It's fish in a barrel. That's one of the taglines. The other one was I'm pansexual, which means I'm confused and can't pick a hole. Uh, there was a few others, but those are the some of the taglines. But we need a we need a cool logo, and I. Um, I use the the old Army Star, the World War II Normandy Army Star, uh, on a lot of different things, and I think that's a would be appropriate for this. But again, I'll I'll leave that open to the audience. But um, you can send your you can send your um, designs either you know post them into Telegram into the channel in Telegram, or shoot them to me via PM. But uh, we want we want to get it wrapped up in the next month or so so we can. We can get T-shirts ordered and um, start that process and set up a storefront so folks can support the nonprofit without having to, think, you know, feel like they have to donate 100, 150 bucks and uh, keep that keep that alive. Because what Troop's doing is is he's doing the Lord's work. And last week he dealt. I don't know if some of you haven't probably watched any of his videos, but when he goes out in the field he films a lot of what he's doing and he was dealing with a gunshot wound that had skin grafts and, man, the guy's a medic and it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. It really is amazing to watch that he's got that personality to be able to do that. Cause I can't do it. And I, I can tell you why I can't do it. It's, it's not because I don't want to, it's because I get angry because that situation exists. 
I get angry because I can't help those people. I get angry because I can't help them get out of that dysfunction, the drug addiction, the mental illness, and all the other things that go along with the homeless situation right now. It's very maddening for a guy like me to see that because I've seen people on the other end of the spectrum give their lives for our society and our way of life. And to see that our society has forgotten this group of people, it's, be, it's beyond angry. It's, it's just, it's, it's maddening beyond belief. And that's why I can't do it. And, you know, troops, he's got the compassion to do it. He's got the time to do it. He's got the energy to do it. And, you know, to watch him at work is, that's a thing of, it's a thing of beauty. So that's why I'm really supportive of what he's doing. Because for me, any way I can help him do that mission and add bodies to do that mission, then that to me is helping the, helping the cause, whether that's generating funds, putting the word out, um, organizing and getting people involved. Hey, I can do that all day long, but you know, I've seen enough suffering and it's to see it here is worse because it makes me wonder what I did all that service for. And I think now more than any other time in our history is the time that we need to be more involved and show empathy. And, you know, you, here's the reality. You can't help everybody. And some of these people can't be helped. No matter how much effort, how much time, how much energy, some of them can't be helped because the drugs that they're addicted to are highly addictive. And it's by design. But if we help one person out of that situation and get them on the right track, that's success to me. And anyway, that that that's in a nutshell what the t-shirts are all about. And the the uh, you know the the other side of the coin is we, we wanna spread the word about the channel. And this is the other piece that I got this week. I've had several people approach me saying that they subscribe to the channel and their subscription gets kicked or they can't find me. But uh, test this week, if you listen to this or tomorrow nights, follow us and let's see how, how many people um, actually this is happening to. Because I, I think it's a lot more than people realize. Because I'm, I'm seeing, you know, view counts of 40,000, Thirty or forty thousand on RSS and and Spotify, but yet my subscribers aren't going up in any of these channels, which is interesting because uh, I would think that 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 would be climbing. So, you know, hit the like button, hit the follow button, and let's see what Rumble does with it over the next couple of weeks and see if there's an algorithm work. I'm sure there is, and I'm sure that our content's being throttled. You know what's funny is Chup and I uh, and uh, Colonel Conrad were comparing notes over the weekend, and uh, one of my admins pointed it out. Uh, ESS pointed it out a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was a month ago he pointed it out. He said the leg time between the discussions we have in the live chat and the time when all of the pundits that that are are following us repeat it is about three weeks. And now it's down to about two weeks. Literally, we talk about a, a specific topic and then it shows up on a bunch of other social media sites, uh, as well as I found a couple of sites that were rebroadcasting my sit reps under a different name. And uh, 
got a kick out of that. I had to shut down a couple other channels this week, which was funny because it's it's only Tuesday and I'm I'm already you know seeing bootleg copies of our roundtable. And the other thing that was funny is a uh, one of my uh, another colonel friend of mine that I was talking to this morning said that he watched our roundtable a few months back, and then the next thing he knew there was roundtables popping up all over the place. He goes, "Isn't that funny?" how people copy your content, but they don't want to give you credit for it. I'm like, I don't care. What matters now is that people are awake, people are prepared, and people are are paying attention to the right things. And that brings me to the last admin topic. So I got um, word through Troop this week that there's several, let's just say influential people that are listening to our sit rep that have asked to do I've asked Troop to do some of his videos over. I've asked us to repeat some of the content like bug out bags and a few others. I still owe um, I still owe a couple of Glock cleaning videos. I owe an AR cleaning video. I owe a um, uh, a couple of videos on on removing and adding barrels and changing barrels out on ARs, as well as some other gun topics. I'll get to those this week. I'll get the gun, the uh, the Glock video tomorrow for sure before the 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 uh, roundtable. So look for that on on Rumble, or sorry, look for that on Telegram. And I wanted to I wanted to say that I have another channel that I haven't used yet. I was going to use it for my gun business. It's called the Way Forward, and what what we're going to use it for is we're going to push out some of these videos on Rumble on the way forward and as soon as we get the first video up i'll post it on on all the social media accounts as well as i'll post it onto on telegram so there's a there's a repository that you can go reference versus trying to sort through telegram one of the problems with telegram one of the things that i hate by the way my neighbor's dog neighbor's dogs are flipping out so if you hear the barking that's what's going on um i have a menagerie of of pets around me that make noise all day long. One of the problems with Telegram is that when you throw stuff into the thread or in a channel in Telegram, Telegram, it gets mixed up with all the other posts. So you could post 10 videos. You literally have to sort through all the video and all the media and the channel in order to find those videos. So we're going to, we, we set up a Substack. We have a Substack. We haven't updated it in, a, in a, quite a few weeks, um, but we can throw some, throw some of the videos out there. There's a lot of preparedness stuff out there. There's, there's um, survival guides. There's, you know, post-emergency guides that um, all of us have worked on and put together and, and put out there. That's, that's the other place we're going to put things. Uh, I think for the video's sake, for the sake of currency, we'll do videos on on the way forward and push them out there. There'll be other discussions, gun topics. There'll be you know t- topics for you know how to zero a weapon, how to clean a weapon. And you would be surprised just in the last two weeks. Um, <clears throat> one of the interesting things about the gun business is that first of all, it's it's hard to do the gun business. Second of all, it's it's incredibly hard to deal with the federal government at times. But it's, it's an interesting business from the standpoint that you have a number of different types of buyers. But what's, what's been very telling in the last couple of months is for a, almost a year, all I was doing was coatings. That's literally all I did was coatings, like Cerakote, KG Gun Coat. Um, some guys want a Duracoat. I don't know why. 
but I was doing, you know, tons of OD green, tons of Navy, uh, Navy gray, tons of, you know, I did a couple of stormtrooper builds where I did a AR with, that was all white with, um, black, uh, black furniture. And it was amazing how, uh, how that was predominant. Now it's all ammo, literally all ammo. And I've been getting hit for specialty types of ammo. So uh, somebody asked me in the channel, what kind of ammo do I recommend? And what places do I recommend for ammo? So there's a homegrown business in Oklahoma. It's called sgammo.com. They have the best prices, the fastest delivery. They're, they're family owned. They, they are very, very responsive. The pricing is, is in fact, I bought a couple of thousand rounds through them just in the last couple of months because it was cheaper than I could get it through my suppliers. If you are buying ammo, now is the time. Just in the last three months, ammo has gone from $389 for a thousand rounds of 5.56 to almost $500 for a thousand rounds. Now's the time to buy if you're going to buy because it's only going to get more expensive. So parts, I know everybody's got that copious amount of spending cut spending money so but the other thing that people ask me about is what kind of or what type of ammo i buy i buy a uh, full metal jacket i i do have some armor piercing rounds that you can buy through underwood underwood has um a variety of of types of ammo they've got what they call control chaos which are basically um armor piercing rounds uh, you could buy you know um hollow points I, and look the way I look at ammo is the same way I look at, at firearms. Most of my stuff is, is black. I don't, I have a few with coatings on them, but for the most part, most of my firearms are black because I, I don't care about that kind of stuff. Um, and just like ammo, I buy range ammo or I buy, um, you know, a couple of heavy rounds. Like I have some 62 grains and 77 grain, five, five, six rounds, and I have some 185 grade, 308 rounds, but I don't stock up on that stuff. One, it's expensive, and two, it's heavy. And, you know, you you realize when you get, if we ever get to Kinetic, and that's that's the case, you're just going to want ammo. You're not going to be worried about what kind of ammo it is. So buy the stuff you can afford. Have If you want to have a few specialty rounds, buy some. But I will tell you that AP rounds, the copperheaded AT rounds from, um, Underwood, some of those are like 50 bucks for 25 rounds. So you got to be, you got to be very um, diligent about what you're buying and why you're buying it, when you're buying it, how you're buying it, because you can, you can spend a lot of money on ammo that you don't shoot. And in, in my case, I have several rounds that were underwater for almost a week while I was traveling and, you know, those are all, they're all gone and they were all controlled chaos rounds. So that's my, you know, hundred bucks out the, out the door right there. So that's why I say just buy normal ammo. And there are a couple of rounds that SG ammo sells. They have this barn all ammo. It's a steel case and it's lacquered. So if you're worried about water or moisture, that, that might be a good round. It's cheap, but you know, steel, steel cases through a, uh, through an AR is pretty tough on the breach, pretty tough on the, on the locking lugs. So be careful with that. And then the other piece of that is, if you're going to buy, you know, heavier, heavier ammo, the thing to remember is, can the can the barrel and the chamber withstand that pressure? So always check the specs of your firearm before you 
you start firing hot rounds because you can have a, a misfire or a catastrophic event before you even know what's going on. And it's very easy to do. I've had 1911s, I've had Glocks, and I've had a few others basically blow apart of my hand because I was running a hot round through them. It happens. And sometimes you don't know the round is hot too. That's the other piece. So do the due diligence. Most people don't read the manual they get with their firearm. I suggest you do, especially if you own um, ARs. There are a ton of AR manufacturers and ARs are Legos. So you can you can attach parts from every different Lego maker out there. You need to know what you're buying. You need to know what the tolerances are, what kind of metal that is. And you should know um, three things about your firearm. First, how to clean it and field strip it. Second, what the tolerances are. And third, what type of ammo the manufacturer recommends to put through that. They will all tell you what kind of ammo they test it with and what kind of, what kind of ammo they recommend. You should heed that. Because I have seen more than a few people have misfires and catastrophic, catastrophic events on the range and get seriously injured. I watched one guy. This was up in Washington. I was running a range with a bunch of people from my office, teaching a bunch of noobs how to shoot. And a guy two lanes over had a 308, and he was, he was burning hot rounds through it. And it was a bolt action. And the bolt basically exploded and part of it went through his cheek. And he was a he was a hot mess. Blew out like, I don't know, five or six of his teeth, gaping hole in his cheek. He was a mess. And that's why you always want to read the manufacturer's recommendations for tolerances. Because it can happen it happens faster than you than you can react. And I've seen it happen. So word to the wise. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to talk through today, I know that was a lot of lot of uh, admin notes, but we had been piling up on questions in the in the chat, and <laughs> it seems like I never have time to to answer them all, which is interesting. The other thing I wanted to say is we've been getting a lot of of both comments and complaints about the uh, yeah it was soaked W that the ammo was underwater, so it. it a rule of thumb, and this is a rule of thumb from dealing with military ammo too. If it's been wet for a significant amount of time, but if it's underwater for a significant amount of time, you don't know if the if the primer is gonna is gonna um, ignite properly and ignite the the propellant properly, and you don't want to have a misfire. You don't want to take the chance. It's better just to you know if you've got a gun, you can throw away and. And take it out to the range and, and you want to test that ammo, go for it. But I wouldn't put it through something I'm gonna I'm relying on. So that uh, word to the wise. Back to what I was saying. We have gotten a lot of comments that there's a lot of fake accounts that are are hitting people, either either direct message or they're sending um, direct messages on other platforms. Here's a rule of thumb. If I'm gonna communicate with, with you, especially in Telegram. If I'm going to hit you with PM, I will put in the main channel, hey, I'm going to contact you via direct message. And then I will contact you. I don't contact anybody via direct message unless I have a purpose for doing so. I have a lot of people that reach out to me via direct message, and I respond to a lot of them, but I can't respond to everyone. And I have um, several people I communicate with on a regular basis, but it's just like my phone number. I don't give my phone number to everybody too. 
because I can't keep up with the volume of traffic. And I have people I'm communicating with to be on the show, to, to do stuff for the channel, et cetera, et cetera. And my point is, if you get a message out of the blue, it's probably not from me. It's a spam account. So uh, let, let one of the admins know in Telegram, especially in Telegram, because there's a lot of bots. Um, if, you, if you're on Twitter or you're on Getter or you're on um, Gab or True Social, just add me at Lieutenant Colonel uh, Stephen Murray. And if, if I see it and, uh, and I want to reach out to you, I'll respond to you in the thread before I, before I PM you. So just a word to the wise. That's been, that's been on the rise for the last few weeks. And we're only going to see more of that, just so you know. They're ramping up the AI, and you're seeing that um, in a lot of things, which brings me to one of the topics that I did want to talk today, and that's deep fakes. So there was a story earlier in this week about um, a deep fake involving, uh, of course, Taylor Swift. Uh, I guess it was a sex video. It's already been scrubbed from the Internet. But the point is, with the sheer volume of, of AI-generated video, audio, pictures, and um, news stories, you can't trust anything at face value. And you can't assume that what you're seeing is real. You have to go back to the source, figure out where it came from, see multiple different, um, not just news outlets, but different places where the story's been posted or covered, and then extrapolate between those to figure out if it's real or not. There are so many just blatant gaslighting lies and stories right now. You can't take anything at face value, especially on social media. I have seen no less than probably 15 or 20 stories that were put out just in the last two days that were complete fiction. And one of them is a story that was published in the Telegraph that was literally, it was written on a substack, and then the science correspondent on um, the Telegram picked it up and wrote a story that private gardens are contributing to the carbon footprint. And it's all fiction, but you should see the amount of traction that that got. It should tell you just how easily the public is distracted by not just the deepfakes, but by AI-driven content. And that whole story was literally AI-driven, along with several others that are fabricated, put together, and then pushed to all the social media platforms via AI. And one of them was the story about Taylor Swift. I literally watched a Twitter thread that was entirely AI this morning, and it would respond every minute and 12 seconds. I literally timed it to see how long it would take for the next reply to come in. And literally within a minute and 12 seconds to the dot, 30 or 40 responses were popped right into that thread. And other people started feeding into it as if it was a conversation. It was all AI. Every bit of it was AI. And the way you tell is the grammar is not quite right. I mean, look, my grammar is not quite right most of the time, right? Because I'm trying to shit post from my phone. But you can tell when it's some of the AI, some of it's very sophisticated. And 
the other place that I'm seeing it now too, and this is a warning for all of you non-cyber security folks, there is a very sophisticated group of actors right now that are pretending to be a bank. And it's it's been going on for quite a while, but their script has gotten way more sophisticated. Case in point, I got a text message on my phone that said, um, click yes or no if you authorize this charge. And it was from my bank. And then I got a call, which my bank never calls me, by the way. They say to call the fraud department or call the security team or call whatever, right? But got a call. So I answered the call. And the guy is running through the script. It sounds exactly like my bank, exactly what my bank would say. And then the guy slips up and says, you know, so which account um, should this have come from? And I was like, wait, shouldn't you know that? And the guy's like, well, we do know, but I need you to tell me what the account number is. I'm like, no, you really don't, because you should be looking at it and you should tell me what the last four are. What's the last four in that account? He couldn't tell me. But if I wasn't paying attention and I listened to the, I was half, half listening to the script, I would have thought that was my bank and I would have given them my account number, at least the last four. And in every single case, and this has happened four times just in the last two weeks, and different, different financial institutions that I have worked with. And one of them was, it was blatantly, I haven't, I haven't banked or done anything with them in years, but clearly my profile has been, or some of my private information has been sold off. And now I'm getting all these text messages and that's called smishing, by the way, when you get a text message, most of it's for gift cards. Hey, this is Dr. So-and-so. Hey, can you send me some gift cards to this thing? No. Um, but if you're paying attention, you'll catch the subtle nuances, but you have to have your A-game all the time. We're seeing more of that. The other thing that I'm seeing a lot more of, and this is this is the part that affects all of us, is they're doing a lot of, best way to say it is, social engineering. Most people use, I'm sure, I'm just going to say this out loud, and I know it affects 90% of you. If you, if you if you deny it, I know you're full of shit because all of us have done this. All of us are sitting at home behind this shitty Linksys router that we've had for probably 10 years that we've never updated, probably don't even know how to update. And we're using Chrome or we're using Bing or we're using one of the other um, crappy Safari, whatever, browser. And we don't go through and clear the cache. We don't go through and update the browser. And we're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of different organizations getting owned through social engineering browser hacks. And it, it, my advice to all of you right now, given the fact that there's all this language around cyber attacks, around ransomware, three things you can do for yourself right now. One, update the router you have that's at your house. Two, if you can afford it, get us get a small firewall that you can put in front of your either cable modem, your DSL router, whatever it is that you're in your area. You could you could usually find a, a you know a Cisco router for uh, fairly fairly cheap that you can put in front of it, and that will block a lot of traffic hitting your your router. Your ISP is only going to filter a certain amount of information. You would be surprised what hits your router every day. 
And this morning I was just doing some general sniffing and watching traffic and I saw a bunch of stuff coming in and I'm the only one on my, on my, on my router. I didn't have anything else on except for one, uh, one computer. And I was seeing all kinds of traffic trying to come inbound. So it behooves you to update as much as you can update your router, update your, your, uh, and talk to your ISP. If you don't know how, how often they update their endpoints, you should talk to them and find out. And you can go out, if you just, most of them are 10.0.1.1, and you can use your admin credentials for your account and see right there to see when the firmware was updated. And most of the time, you can download the firmware right there, or it's 168.1.1.1 or 168.0.1.1, whatever. There's there's a number of, uh, or a couple of different um, IP ranges they use. But it is it is literally very important right now to keep, if, especially if you have a Windows box. If you're sitting on a Windows box, you should be updating that damn thing and the applications as often as possible. And Windows Update is not going to update Google. It's not going to update Safari. It's not going to update Brave. You have to update those through the app. And most people don't, don't even pay attention to um, update their browser. So... Yeah, you could, you know, you can use Nmap, you can use a couple other, you can Wireshark to sniff, but you got to know what you're looking at if you use a Wireshark. And um, I was using Wireshark this morning for something else and just thought I'd pay attention to my own subnet to see what was coming in. Um, you can do a Netstat too, that'll tell you what is um, hitting your machine, but that's not really inclusive. It just tells you what IPs are coming in. It, it If you're going to do sniffing, go out and read. Uh, you know, read about Wireshark. That's probably the best bet because that'll that'll show you real time what packets are coming across. And if if you don't want to go that deep, there's there's other tools you can use to sniff your network to see what's what's coming in and uh, capture traffic. I, in fact, there's a there's a Kali Linux version that's got a sniffer on it in addition to Wireshark. That's actually pretty intuitive to use if you've never done it before, and you can you can sniff your network, but Again, it's this is for the for the experienced. If you're a novice at it, the best thing you can do is update your update your your router, keep your keep your Windows up to date, etc. Well, you know, long shot. If you're using your neighbor's Wi-Fi, just remember it's not a felony if you don't browse his network. If you browse his network, that's a felony. Just so you know. So you might be able to see a shared drive, but you probably don't want to access that. That is, if you don't want to go to prison, just a word on the uh, the colonel here to help you out. Okay, so the security security piece is going to be ongoing, but um, you know the the other thing you should pay attention to too is I don't use public Wi-Fi anywhere. In fact, I don't even use the I don't even use the wireless access point on my phone because it is super easy to hack into Wi-Fi. It's super easy to sniff that traffic. And even if your Wi-Fi router is not advertising the name or the domain, you can still sniff it because it still goes across in the packets. So you can still see it. So don't rely on that if you're not broad if you're not broadcasting the uh, the name of your router. But at the same point at the same time, just assume that even if you have encryption turned on it's 
super easy to crack that, especially on Wi-Fi routers. So I turn Bluetooth off. In fact, when I'm in public, I turn Bluetooth off. And I use a wired connection in my vehicles. I do not use Bluetooth in my vehicles. And I'll tell you why. Because if you sat on an airplane, and, and this is a test for all of you who think I'm full of shit, Sit on an airplane, turn on your Wi-Fi, and then go browse at a device. And you will see every single phone on that plane. And you will see which ones are wide open, which ones are not wide open. And you can literally sniff that traffic and connect to that device if you have the right tool set, and they would never know it. And I don't take those chances when I'm especially on an airplane because I've had too many bad experiences where I got off an airplane and my credit card was compromised. Or worse, the flight attendants come down with their little credit card reader, which I don't think they do anymore. They may still do that. They swipe the credit card. The credit card reader is, is talking to the server on the front of the airplane, and somebody's sniffing all those credit card numbers. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've used my credit card on an Alaska Airlines flight or on a Delta Airlines flight come back, my credit card's already got six charges on it. So I look, I'm not a Luddite when it comes to this stuff. I have watched nation states basically blow through all of our encryption, get right into our networks, steal what they want, and not be able to do a damn thing about it. And it's usually because somebody has one or two settings on their own, their personal laptop or their personal machine that's that's hooked into the Wi-Fi and they're able to exploit that and take as much as they want. So I don't I don't make myself a conduit or a launch point for anybody. I turn off as much as I can, as often as I can. And the other thing it does for you is it saves your battery. When it's when your phone's trying to connect to a Wi-Fi router, especially an Apple or a Bluetooth, it's sitting there, it's it's polling to find something to connect to. And the automatic connection that most of you take for granted. That burns burns through your battery faster than than anything else because it's sitting there trying to pull to find something that it knows so it can connect to it. So I turn all that shit off. And the other thing I do is I dim my screen. I have a security filter for my laptop, which I never use on the airplane anymore. I've, I've gotten to the point where my goal in life is to not have any status on an airplane or, or have anything heavy that I take on the plane with me other than my my uh, my carry on bag. And I do that for you know. Just the reason that the older I get, the lazier I am about taking shit on the plane. So, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly my point, Texas. So, and you will, the other thing you'll see, now malware, you have to connect to something and either give it a chance to download or you have to, you may have to make it opportune for malware to infect whatever you're on. It means you have to connect to something or click on something. So you probably, you may have seen some, some malware polling, but I, I doubt it was it was actively searching out your your laptop. You would have had to approve it, especially Bluetooth. But anyway, um, so security advice for the day. The other thing about uh, that I do too, which I don't know most of you probably don't realize, is if you have a Microsoft account and you use Microsoft uh, O365, which a lot of people do now at home. You can use Microsoft Authenticator and set up two-factor authentication, and it's very easy to do. 
So I use two-factor authentication. I have O365 I use for my business and I have my, all my, my kids are on O365 as well as my nephews and I have it set up so everybody has to use multi-factor authentication. It's very easy to set up and you can, you can do it with other applications too. You can set up other applications to use Microsoft to log into it. And I turn off as much as possible the auto login for a lot of things. You may think that's a pain in the ass, but it will save you a lot of ass pain if you get owned because they won't have direct access to your account through a password. They'll have to get a text message. They'll have to figure out what your authenticator is. And it's very, very hard. It just adds another layer of abstraction for somebody who hacks your credentials to, to try and get through. And I do that with all my bank accounts too. I do multi-factor authentication that way. Most of the time it's a push message to your phone. And that's a that's a good way to at least give you some measure of protection as well as long passwords. If you can remember some over 15 characters without writing it down, McAfee is garbage. I would use, I'd spend the money, get CrowdStrike, or I'd spend the money, get Cyber Reason. You, some people are using uh, Malwarebytes. I have Malwarebytes on a couple of my Windows boxes. It was it was built for, for Windows, but yeah, McAfee's garbage. Um, Symantec's garbage now. They used to be great, but now they're garbage. I, I if you if you really want my advice, the best on the market is CrowdStrike for endpoint protection. It is bar none the best. Catches everything, even catches ransomware. But they're not infallible. But CrowdStrike's going to cost you, you know, three hundred bucks for an for an endpoint um, protection. Whereas you can get malware bytes for like I think 70, 80 bucks for five devices. Cyber Reason is I think 140, 140 bucks for five devices. It just depends. But they um and again, Cyber Reason's one of those, it's an Israeli company. So but it, it CrowdStrike's the best of the business. And uh, you know, it's 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 gonna cost you to to use it. But I've seen it it, it when I was at uh, the hotel chain managing their security, um, Indian Reservation in Oregon got owned, absolutely owned by malware. And we had put CrowdStrike on the, the front desk computer, on the manager's computer, and on the housekeeping computers. There was only four computers. One of them was, um, I can't remember who it was, guest services or, anyway, we hadn't got it installed yet. But the entire hotel, casino, and, um, or the, the entire casino, the restaurants were all owned and the hotel CrowdStrike caught it and, and quarantined it before it could infect the rest of the, the hotel. And it only got one machine in the hotel. And that, that's why I recommend it. Cause I've seen it do it, do that a couple of times and catch a couple of really, really big attacks. And it saves you lots of pain. And, and look, the industry right now is being owned by by ransomware, especially the healthcare industry, hospitals, um, care providers. They're being absolutely owned by by ransomware, and you have two choices with ransomware. It's either a you pay the free, and it's a customer service model. They tell you which model you're on and which service fee you're going to pay to get your to get the encryption codes if they send them to you. And a, a, a year ago, two years ago, everybody was paying the ransom and they'd hire an insurance company. The insurance company would 
to talk to these guys on the dark web. They'd pay the ransom, usually in Bitcoin. They'd get the keys, et cetera, et cetera. Now everyone's rebuilding because the the, the threat actors now are not giving up the codes or the, the encryption codes to decrypt your data. And if you don't know what ransomware is, it's basically a piece of malware that encrypts everything on your hard drive and every hard drive it can talk to. Every single computer in the network it can talk to, it's going to encrypt. So you have two choices. You pay the fee and hopefully get you, you get the code. Or two, you wipe it, you wipe all your data, and you start over. So two things out of that. Always have a good backup. If you don't have a backpack drive, go get a backpack drive. One terabyte drive is like 60 bucks. Backup everything on your laptop that you care about, your pictures, your porn, your goat porn, your, you know, your sexy rifle pictures, whatever, that kind of stuff, especially documents like mortgage documents, deeds, titles, everything, all that stuff should be backed up to a backpack drive and put somewhere and put the drive somewhere where it's not talking to anything else. That way, if you do get owned, you don't lose everything. You can never have enough backups. I will tell you that right now. I'm on my desk right now. I'm looking at three hard drives. One of them is I plug in once a month back up everything, unplug it, and it sits there for a month. You can never have enough backups. So that's last piece of uh, last piece of uh, tech advice for the day because I wasn't really going down that that route. I just uh, went a bit tangential today. It's been it's been an interesting week, that's for sure. It's only it's only Tuesday. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is there's this. I don't want to say it's a um, it's not a thought process. It's more of a belief system now. And where it's showing up is this trucker convoy. Not every organized function is going to be controlled by the feds. They may infiltrate everything, but it doesn't mean they're going to control it. In this case, Pete Chambers is facilitating and helping the folks that are organized the, the trucker convoy. It's like there's one in Arizona, there's one in Texas, and I believe there's one now in New Mexico. Doesn't mean the feds are going to show up and it's going to be this January 6th event. There's there's a lot of that. If you're going to if you plan on going on the trucker convoy, go do it. But vet everybody you're talking to and remember that that's a peaceful protest. So anybody that's talking about anything other than peaceful protests, guess what? They're probably a Fed or they're on the Fed payroll. And not everything's a conspiracy. Not every conspiracy is true. A lot of them have been, but that doesn't mean every single one of them is true. And that's that's like a lot of the disinformation that's that's being pushed right now. The whole point of it is to dissuade you from doing anything related to organizing. That's the whole point of this being pushed out in the first place. And the first place I saw it was on Twitter. The second place I saw it was on True Social. And most of the time, people that are putting that crap out are not even involved in it in the first place. If you know somebody that's going to be in the convoy, you know somebody that's going to participate, you're planning on doing it, go do that. Hang out with people that you, um, number one, you know, and if you don't, Make human connections. If you're gonna, if you're planning on doing it anyway, don't don't disrupt your plans. There's no reason to. And then the other, the other part of that is, 
we can't control what the feds do. We can control what we do. And we should be looking at every situation with cynical eyes, no matter what. I don't look at every situation and go, that's, that's true. I'm going to take that at face value. I mean, look at, look at October 7th. When October 7th kicked off, literally, my girlfriend said, okay, the world blew up today. And I looked at her and said, they're going to, they're going to level Gaza. They're not going to stop until it's level. And they're going to, they're going to push everybody out of there. And they're probably going to bring them here. And look at what they're doing now. And part of that was from actually being on the West Bank and seeing exactly how that place is, is run and what the Israelis do there and how they view the Palestinians. It doesn't, none of that surprised me. But some of the other things that have popped up over the last couple of months, like the Houthis and, and these other things, look, we don't know how much of that is true. We don't even know if if they're even firing missiles. We have no way of knowing for sure. We get a couple of videos that could be old stock, could be stuff from years ago. You don't know. You have no idea. So that's why I say look at things with a cynical eye and then slowly move your way towards the, the source and figure out if it's true or not before you make a decision and, and form an opinion. Most people hear that 15-second soundbite, and they're off to the races. Like this, this Taylor Swift stuff over the last couple of days. I don't even know why anybody gives a shit about Taylor Swift. She's a narcissistic opportunist shithead. So I don't know why you would even pay attention to her. But that's where the population goes. And it's it's like the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with Matt, Matt Bracken on the roundtable. You know, Matt's like, we're still talking about who's on the bridge of the Titanic and the ship's going to sink and none of these people are going to be on the bridge. But my show, like a lot of other shows, is talking about the things that the public wants to see and wants to hear about. And literally every day there's a new story that people want to know more in depth about. And a lot of this stuff, more in depth, not in depth, most of it by the time you get we get to Wednesday to talk about it, People have figured out it's bullshit anyway. So we we end up talking about it in a cursory fashion, and then we go off onto other topics. The reason why so many of these, these influencers, talk shows, etc., the reason why so many of them are focused on the current events is because that's what the audience wants. I, we try very hard not to talk about the same shit that everybody else is talking about because it doesn't help you get prepared for what's coming. And we want to give you a, a breadth and depth of knowledge so you can go look at situations in, in your own community and go, okay, this is something I'm going to respond to. This is something I don't need to pay attention to. And these are things I need to consider based on the weather in, our, in my area. Hopefully, that's what we're doing. And the other part of it, too, is you know, a lot of these, a lot of stuff that I'm seeing now, and I don't know why, I'm seeing more and more shit about aliens and more and more, more and more, you know, absolute garbage about our interaction with aliens. So my, to respond to this one, because it's yet another question, my view of the whole alien narrative right now, if, if you've heard me before, I've said this repeatedly and it bears repeating now, they build a narrative with in, in when you inf, do an influencing operations, you build a narrative over time and then you do some kind of an informational release 
to bring the public along to what you want them to either know or sign up for. In this case, if I had to bet, they are leading us towards some kind of disclosure around the fact that we're not alone in the universe. And most people will sit there and say, duh, we're not. But you would be surprised how many people on the right and on the left will go off the reservation when they hear those words. I think for most of us, that is a foregone, foregone conclusion that we are not alone, that our government has been in contact with aliens for several, several, several years, probably decades, and that we have advanced technology, right? That's all, I think that's all known information. Anyway, the point is, is that um, they're leading us towards some kind of disclosure. And I'm seeing more and more of this crap, especially on, on Twitter, I'm seeing this crap. And and again, if you if you haven't been on Twitter, the algorithm they use for your viewing patterns is, is what show that that's what shows up in your feed. So I see things from the left, the right, from the fringe from the UFO community, from the from the conspiracy community, just because I've clicked on, you know, one or two different stories and drilled down into a specific story, it shows up on my feed. And everything in that genre shows up in my feed. So I'm seeing more and more of this stuff. And the more I see, and, and get away from Telegram, because I think Telegram is one of those, one of those um, areas where it's, it's, it serves a niche market and it's not necessarily representative of the rest of social media. But one of the problems with social media is if you don't diversify your feed and go out and search out other things, you're going to see a lot of the same stuff over and over and over again. And it's, it's meant to, to keep you in a pattern, a do loop for lack, lack of a better word. And, the fact that I'm seeing all this across a wide variety of channels and influencers, as well as AI-driven information around this, the, the alien, the alien stuff, it, it tells me that there's some kind of disclosure coming out. And I, I would, if I had to guess, somewhere in the next six months, and I think it's, I, what I really think it is, is it's, it's basically distraction, and it's noise to keep people distracted with there's going to be some kind of disclosure. Because if you you go back to 2016, 2017, when uh, Gaia TV and some of these other, you know, crackpot shit shitholes came out, people were just glued to it. And there was no, there was no critical thinking around anything that was published. Like Gaia did this show, I think it was called Ancient Aliens, and they would go to all these different sites around the world and talk about, um, and, and talk about, uh, alien artifacts, um, you know, uh, pictographs on the wall with aliens depicted in it. And now Sean Ryan on YouTube is doing three hour interviews as well as he's, I think he's done three or four, three hour interviews, all related to aliens. And now you have, you have YouTube and bit, uh, bit channels that are dedicated to UFO sightings more and more and more. That only tells me one thing that there's some some kind of a distraction coming related to that. And I'm pretty sure they haven't fully formed that narrative yet for the simple reason that that narrative is probably 
a, a distraction narrative if things get bad for the elite. Because look, if you prescribe to the theory that the elite have controlled, especially, in the, in, and I'll use the, the term that I hear on a regular basis, that the Rockefellers suppressed um, alien technology from the 40s on, and that Tesla was involved in the Philadelphia experiment, blah, blah, blah. If you go along with that theory, you're going to assume that there's a bunch of alien tech and a bunch of advanced technology and a breakaway civilization that has been sitting there for years and years and years, blah, blah, blah. What I really think is the defense industrial complex has broken the code on a lot of these technologies, some of which I've seen myself years ago, and I could only imagine how advanced and operationalized it is now. But I saw stuff in R&D years ago that will never make the light of day. And we could figure this stuff out on our own. And if you look at the defense and the industrial complex in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that was the peak of our advanced technology development. And we've pretty much really come to a, a, a halt since then. It's like the, the moon landings. Supposedly we went to the moon, we did 10 or 12 launches, and then all of a sudden we stopped going to the moon. We haven't been there since. You can, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes why that is. But if, if you're the elite and you know that the barbarians are at the gates, and you don't have any other distractions, guess what? This is a great distraction to keep people completely enamored with, you know, little green men. And it's a great way to distract away from what's going on so you can go hide your bunker while something else really bad happens at the same time. My point is, I think they're that they're leveraging the noise right now and they're pushing more garbage in with all this UFO stuff to keep people distracted. And the reality is, is very simple. If I think most people agree this, that, that, that are on my sheet of music, if the only way I'm going to believe that this stuff really exists is to see it hovering over my house or over the White House. And even then, if it was hovering over the White House, I'd have to be in D.C. to see it with my own eyes before I bought into it because there's so much garbage that's been pushed into all of these social media platforms. It, there's no way to know if any of it is true. And there's no way to know if any of it is a hologram, a projection, or any of the rest of that. So I don't even worry about it anymore because most of it is BS. But I'm if I'm seeing them build this narrative, and, and I'm really looking at Sean Ryan because this is a guy that interviews, he interviews all kinds of, of unique people, but he's done three very specific interviews. And the last one he did, I think it was Billy Carter was the name of the guy. I'd never heard of this guy before. And, you know, my brother was all over this UFO stuff for years. I thought it was all horse shit. And he was all over this, this this disclosure stuff and that, you know, everything in the movies is disclosure. They're telling you what they're going to do and they're telling you. I've heard it all. But he did a three-hour interview with this guy and this guy was talking about forbidden technology. And he was literally zeroed in on all of the different ancient artifacts around the planet, these ancient sites, these, these very um, unexplained architectural um, phenomenons throughout the world. He talked about a specific place. I think it was in Turkey 
where there was this underground complex that was several stories deep. It was an entire uh, an entire community living underground with air shafts and everything else, and very very structured, very very thick walls that couldn't have been built by men. Um, talking about how the pyramids were built, all this ancient technology. There's only one reason you would go into that depth for three hours, and that is if you want to release something to the public, especially after the first interview. If you if you go down the order of his interviews, so the first one, he he talked about uh, aliens in Antarctica. And the second one was about alien tech and UFOs. And then the third one was all about ancient tech. That should tell you that there's a specific order they're going through to build that narrative. And regardless of whether, you know, Sean Ryan is CIA or DIA or whether he was a contractor, I don't care. The point is they're building a narrative. And that narrative is leading somewhere. And I think that they're doing that at the same time they're building, trying to build the client narrative, which isn't selling, trying to build the disease X, which isn't selling, trying to build the world health, um, the world health, uh, what do you call it, uh, treaty, which isn't selling. They're, they're running out of options. In my view of this, just like the rest, is this is just yet another option to distract away from what's really going on, the failure of our system that's that's crumbling at their feet and they don't know what to do about it. And I don't believe for one minute that they've scripted all this out. There are too many things going on right now that sh they, sh they have control of, which they clearly appear not to have control of, or they have the B team running. I can't think of which one it is off the top of my head, but it sure looks like the B team is screwing up a lot of best laid plans right now. And if that's the case, we're going to see more and more of these these you know outlandish stories formed in the public eye, and you'll you'll be amazed at how many people flock to that narrative and pay attention. I mean, look at the Q stuff. The last Q post was in December of 2020, and then a year of radio silence, and then one post comes out, and the entire community, boom, right back to the train wreck. That's exactly what this is. This is just more distraction. And if I, I had a hard, I would have a hard time wondering why an alien race would come here in the first place. With all the crap we have going on, all the politics we have in this planet, they'd look down at us and go, nope, not going down there. No way. Because I've said before in many shows, we can't take this kind of politics into space. We can't do it. We, we literally are too primitive of a species to go out and meet with collectives or advanced civilizations. They would look at us like pond scum, and I'm sure most of them do. According to Sean David Morton, most of them do look at us like pond scum. And, and I can see why. We, we literally can't agree on anything. We, we, can't even, we can't even put our differences aside for a bigger picture. And we've had... 40 years of narcissism bred into our schools, into our religion, into our communities, into our politics, that that does not end well under any circumstances. Just like it doesn't end well when you start looking at how we move as a collective into, into anything. Right now, we can't do anything. And it's because for the last 20 years, all these snowflakes have been emboldened 
to derail pretty much anything if they feel like they're offended about anything. I mean, Jesus, one person gets gets offended by by anything, and a company's derailed, an ad campaign's derailed, or an entire organization is derailed. You can't take that shit into space. You can't. For the simple reason that the vacuum of space, you know, kills humans very, very quickly. So you can't take that kind of conflict into space. And more importantly, we can't take that kind of conflict and do anything because it's it's counterproductive to how a society works, which is why most of our cities are being deconstructed right now, because they have leveraged the individual and pushed the individual over the collective. When I grew up, my entire education was based on critical thinking looking at things critically, making risk-based decisions, being responsible for myself and for the people around me, and being responsible and, and being a responsible member of my community and of my country. That message is completely gone today. Today, it's all about you can, you can get yours. You don't have to worry about anybody else. You can go get yours. It's okay to cheat. It's okay to lie. It's okay to do whatever to get ahead. That's the message kids are getting right now. Completely okay. Remember sportsmanship? Remember that shit? Remember how, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't show good sportsmanship, your your coach would literally take you behind the backstop and beat the shit out of you. Remember those days? They don't do that anymore. I have seen more snowflakes lose their mind and have tantrums, literally tantrums on little league games, soccer games in the last 10 years. I've seen more of that in the last 10 years than I have in my entire life. That's because it's been bred into our society over generations. So in order for us to come out of this, we have to completely reshape all of our institutions from the ground up and look at how our society is a formed, managed, and how we communicate. That's going to be very, very hard for a lot of people, especially all these snowflakes that that are so focused on gender, on pronouns. That's not an anomaly. All of that has been pushed by the intelligence agencies so that it, it literally divides people into groups. And look at how effective it's been. Highly effective. So for us to come out of this, we are literally going to have to change the way and go back to the go back to our roots and build up from our roots again. And that means we have to revamp our entire education system. We have to teach civics again because we don't teach civics. We're going to have to teach personal responsibility and risk risk based, you know, decision making. You know, for a long time in the Marine Corps, they used to teach ethics in boot camp literally used to teach it in boot camp. And I don't know if they still do it. I doubt they do now. Now I think it's all DEI now. But that that is that is where we have to start and literally deconstruct all of these institutions. And the other thing is we have to take the the feds and the state government out of the decision cycle. And and my my proposal for that at least my view of that is, I think public service 
should be mandatory. You're given a choice in high school. And your choice is you go into military or you go into public service. You do a five-year stint in public service, whether that's work for a, a, a local government, the state government, you do one of the two or you go in the military. But you are going to do some kind of selfless service for the state and your community before you do anything else. And once you're done with that, then you can go start your career. And I think that's the only way to get people back into back into the, the mode of I did I did my service and now I'm doing something else. But the other thing is what's the right mix? Because you have to have the balance between experience and public service. And the two the two are hard to mix because you nobody's going to want to go start a career and then go into into public service and take a pay cut. That's not that's not how a capitalist society is set up. But at some point, people have to go do in order for us to to really manage and and keep us out of this situation again. We're going to have to make people do public service and then you know, have some kind of balance between private and public. And I say that because one of the biggest problems I had in college was that I was working. I was actually doing stuff in college. And I had, you know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't managing a career, but I was working. And I would hear these professors talk about how the market was. And it was completely divorced from reality. And in some places, they couldn't even hear, they couldn't hear any other opinion, just their own opinion. And it's because educators go from institution to institution to teaching, and they never do any private private service or private practice or, or have any kind of a career before they go teach. So they have no real world experience to do anything. And that then they're thrust into academia and their whole world is about publishing papers about what they think the market should be doing. It's why our education system is so divorced from the rest of the world, because none of them have any real world experience. So they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And in most cases, they can't hear anything anyway. I'm just trying to say the only way to, to make this work is to balance those two out. So that when people go into public service, they actually have some experience to base their public service on. That way, when they go into the public sector, they're not creating these stupid liberal rules like, you know, laws that we're seeing now destroying our, blue, you know, ma major cities. I mean, San Francisco is a fucking ghost town. All the major, major department stores, big box stores have left downtown San Francisco. And the place is a ghost town. And a lot of companies have closed doors and moved out, too. You have to ask the question. If we're gonna bring that back, what's the best way to do that? It's like the housing problem. How do you solve the housing problem without giving direct payments to people? Because that's what, you know, universal basic income is direct payments to people, encouraging them not to work. We wanna do the opposite of that. We wanna build a society where everybody's working, everybody's productive, and everybody is contributing to the, the governance piece of it. So it's not a select few that are lifetime politicians. That has to go away in and, of, in, in and of itself in total if we want to survive or at least come out of this. 
because what we're dealing with now, simply put, is not sustainable. I mean, if you listen to anything Nancy Pelosi has said in the last three to four days, completely divorced from reality. She was saying that our current problems, the situation at the border, the situation in Gaza, the situation in Ukraine, all Putin. None of that's real. And that the border crisis really started under Trump. Uh-huh. The border crisis started under Obama when he started allowing refugees to come in, which was part of the plan for replacement. And most importantly, he started the destruction of the military by re replacing general officers with all these woke tards that we have now. Not one bit of that benefits our country. But all of this started years ago. The police state started with the Patriot Act. And they, they have not undone the Patriot Act. They've not done any of the legislation. All of it's the same stuff. All in the same format. None of that is going to change anytime soon unless we change it. And the interesting the interesting thing in the in the next couple of weeks is going to be will they implement the draft? Because I'm seeing the rumblings of it now. Biden said it the other day. The UK has said it. And you know if the UK says it and does it, it's coming here fairly, fairly quick. Probably within six months or a year. Now, if we start a war with Iran, they're going to definitely try and do a draft. And to be perfectly honest, my answer to a draft right now would be go fuck yourself. I would I would highly advise anybody in the age groups for the draft to tell them to go fuck themselves. Because if we don't, they lead us off to war and it's mass murder. That's all it's going to be, mass murder. Look at Ukraine. Look at what's happened there. 500,000 dead. They've literally gutted the country of young military-age males for four generations. What do you think they want to do here? They've already gone down the road of castration through this trans agenda. They've gone after birth rates and, and healthy births through the vaccine. They've gone after reproduction through the vaccine. So what's the next not logical thing? They send a, a bunch of people off to die. The youngest generations we have that are still healthy that haven't been vaccinated, you send them off to war. And guess what? You've got the genocide you need so you can replace the population with a new set of slaves. That's exactly what they want to do. That's what they've been trying to do for the last year is trying to get us into a bigger war. And they've been highly effective at keeping us entangled in all of these impact zones. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next three to four months that we're not only in a kinetic war with Iran. And by the way, this doesn't just help the elite. This helps Iran. You don't think that Iran is working with the elite in D.C.? There's an Iranian official that's in the White House staff right now. You don't think that guy is talking to Tehran right now? telling them what's coming. What does Tehran need right now? Um, Vasilius on his Substack and on his Twitter today was, was posted something where 
50,000 of 75,000 mosques have closed in the last five years in, in the country. So across Iran, 50,000 mosques have closed. That should tell you something. A significant shift in the cultural narrative has happened in Iran. What does a tyrannical government mean to bring everybody together? They need a good shooting war and a good preemptive attack in order to galvanize the public. You don't think that they're working with this administration to come up with that attack? We've heard for what, the last three days that they're trying to decide how they're going to retaliate for three soldiers that were supposedly killed on the Jordanian border. Does that not sound an awful lot like we got bin, Osama bin Laden? Oh, and we buried him at sea. And then, of course, in the last two weeks, all these pictures of every single elite politician in some way, shape or form interacting with Osama bin Laden in the 80s and early 90s. Come on. They are working aggressively with Tehran right now to solidify that regime and to solidify this regime through a good shooting war. And why does it matter? Because the elite in, in Davos, they need the tyrannical middle managers to run the planet the way they want it run. That's why guys like Lula and, and uh, I can't think of the guy's name in uh, Venezuela. Um, Maduro, Xi, those guys are middle manager. That's all they are is middle managers. They're nothing else. They literally are trying to fill the world with tyrannical dictators that they control through money. That's what they're trying to put together. So why doesn't it make sense that we would be architecting some kind of a conflict in the Middle East with Iran? There's, there's, and you're right. The public, I'm seeing the, I'm seeing the, this conversation in the chat. The public's awake to this now. Well, at least a good percentage of the public is awake to it now. But in this case, they are going to telegraph to Tehran what they're going to bomb. They're going to pull people out. They're going to claim this this big attack. Iran's going to retaliate. Blah blah blah. You know the script. You saw it play out in Kuwait. You saw it play out in Iraq. You saw it play out in Afghanistan. The script has been played more than a few times. But it's the first time in our history where they're telegraphing their moves to the entire population, just like what the Israelis are doing right now. The Israelis know they're committing genocide. They don't care. They literally told the world after the world court found them guilty of genocide. They went, yeah, you're anti-Semitic. Go fuck yourselves. That's literally what they said to the entire planet. You're looking at the Fourth Reich operating right now. They are literally telling the world, go fuck yourselves. What are you going to do about it? And that, that brings me to my last point. The only way we come out of this is as a country, we have to unify under the right banner. The enemy we're facing, it's not the Chinese. It's not the Iranians. It's the elite, the elite bankers in Davos, the elite bankers in, in New York. That's the real enemy, the elite. That's who is perpetrating all of this. Supposedly the 100 families, the black nobility. I don't know how much of that is true. I don't even know if any of it's true. 
But I do know this. There's a lot of loose associations between a lot of very powerful people, and they are architecting some kind of a world war right now. And the best thing we can do as a society is mass noncompliance. And then if we have to take it kinetic, we take it kinetic. But we can shut down the entire operation if no one shows up for the draft. If the entire country does exactly what they did with the pistol race ban and just go, eh, go fuck yourselves. Guess what? They have no power to do anything. They don't have the numbers to do it. We can solve this problem through mass noncompliance quickly. And we don't even need to fire a shot to do it. We shut down the whole country and guess what? Full stop at DC. And the place is an echo liberal echo chamber anyway. You, you don't think that DC needs to collapse? DC needs to literally wither and die. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we should build a wall around DC and let the whole fucking place starve to death. Fuck it. That that entire area is full of people that have spent their entire lives doing the same thing and not going anywhere else. Most of them don't even know how life is outside of D.C. They go from their vacation spot or their cabin in the woods to D.C. Do you know how many people like that I worked with at the Pentagon? I asked, I, I literally asked one guy, how many times have you been out of D.C.? He goes, I go out of D.C. twice a year to go to my cabin. I don't go anywhere else. I haven't been to Europe. I'm like, dude, go get kidnapped. Have some shit happen to you. Go figure out how the rest of the world works. Because you don't know the square root of shit around how the average American actually lives. You don't even have a fucking clue what people do in traffic. You live in a bubble. You don't even know what they go through to get to work every day. And this, this was a very, very senior person in the government. Very senior. And he had no idea. He had been in D.C. his whole life. Do you know how many people like that there are? Graduate from college, Columbia, Harvard, or one of the other Ivy League schools. Right to D.C. to some lobbyist group. Then on a, a congressional staff. Then on to a, a lobbyist group. Then on to some kind of a think tank. They never leave D.C. That is why we have the problem we have now. They're completely divorced from reality. And the the only way that they are going to get the memo is if the, the entire country stops doing things. Look at what they're doing in France right now. They are turning up roads. They are dropping manure on all these government buildings. They're dropping manure outside of politicians' homes. They're doing everything from a nonviolent perspective to completely bring the system to its knees. I don't care how much surveillance shit they have. They can watch me sitting in a lawn chair outside the Army recruiting station with both my middle fingers in the air for the rest of their fucking lives as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going back in. I don't care how many different people they send to my house. I am not going back in. And nobody should go in the service right now. Not even anybody that illegally came across the border. Because it's a one-way trip. 
You go over, you die, you come home in a bag. If no one goes, guess what? There's no war. And if we do fight and we do send people over there, what do you think is going to happen here? How long do you think it's going to be before the hostilities kick off and things happen here? I would say within a week, things will be happening here. And it'll be by our own fucking government. It won't be by terrorist groups or special forces. They're here. They're being saved for the bigger fight to disrupt everything. But what happens if we all stop and we support the people that are injured by this false flag? What happens then? Nothing. They can't do shit. They they conduct another attack. Everybody knows. If we respond to it, we pick up arms, we start shooting people, and we don't know who the enemy is, it feeds right into their narrative. And they've been building the narrative that the most dangerous people are domestic terrorists, patriots, the three percenters. How many times have you heard that shit? You pick up arms and start going after people, guess what? Feeds right into their narrative. That's what they've been trying to build this for. They don't have a scenario for everybody in the country sitting at home going, hey, go fuck yourselves. And will it affect businesses? Yeah. But they're going to be affected anyway. Every business is either going to be, they're going to be taxed out of business. They're going to be heavily regulated to the point where they can't operate. Or more importantly, they're going to be put in a position where they either, it's more profitable to close the doors. It's exactly what happened in Washington. Washington State, the tax rate in downtown Seattle, when they 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 did a sugar tax. So basically anything that had sugar in it was taxed above and beyond what the normal sales tax was. And it drove it drove businesses out. Then they raised the property taxes almost 40%. And businesses that were fucking icons in Seattle for generations vanished overnight because of the tax rates. You don't think they're going to do that in every single country or every single county in this country? They absolutely are. That's exactly what they're going to do. I don't I don't I don't know how many of you have filed taxes this year. But your tax rate is over 50% right now. You're going to be fucking shocked when you get your tax bill this year. If you haven't been paying attention, I I make pretty good money, and I've been putting extra money towards taxes this year. And I can tell you that I will still write a big, huge check this year for taxes because the tax rate that they passed in 2020, uh, 2021, when the Democrats still had control, you know, that, that green bill they passed, that raised your income taxes to 54%. If you add that to the property taxes, the gas taxes, the sales tax, the the uh, um, transportation taxes that you pay, if you pay tolls, you're like 70% taxes. Most people don't have a clue. They're going to be absolutely fucking shocked this year when they get their tax bill. And most people are hovering at the poverty line right now. Most people don't have a clue what's going to hit them. How do you think people are going to react to that? The point is very, very simple. Mass non
compliance. That is the first step that we take. We don't pick up arms and go run people down or kick doors down. First of all, it's a pointless exercise because you don't know who the fuck the enemy is. And I really get tired of hearing that shit too. Sir, when are we going to kick doors? Hopefully never. Hopefully we drive this shit to closure without having to fire a shot. Hopefully we drive the system to complete fucking collapse without firing the shot. And then we go round up everybody that perpetrated this, was affiliated with this, was a minion, was a minion of a minion. We haul them down to Gitmo and we do public trials. And we let people sit there and watch what these people did. And we show them in graphic detail exactly what's been going on in the background. And then we strip them of their wealth. We park them in a, in a cell and we let them fucking rot for the rest of their lives. And you can start with the Clintons. You starve these people out. You take away their power by not, re, not number one, you don't respond to them. Number two, you don't comply. Be ungovernable. That is the only way we get out of this. And at the same time, organizing your community. If you're going to spend your time, and this isn't posting fucking memes on tweet or tweets on Twitter. This is getting involved in your local community and building an economic system outside of the banks, a barter system. People are going to have gardens. People are going to have ammo. People are going to have tools. People are going to have skills. You build a system completely outside of the federal government. And then when they show up, you tell them to fuck off. That is the best thing we can do. Because if we feed into their matrix, you sign up for one part of it, you sign up for all of it. There is no, and look, let me give you a picture of where I'm at in the matrix. Because I didn't have a hell of a lot of choice in it when this was all happening. Back in 2010, they issued, actually 2007, 2008, they issued cat cards to everybody, a card with a chip on it. It was your ID card, it was your access card, all your medical records, all your certs were on it. Guess what they've done with that since? Now you have ID.me, which is completely a digital identity for the federal government. All my military records, all my military retirement, all of that wrapped up in ID me. So when I disconnect, I'm going to lose all of that. And watch how fast I do that. When I went in the service 20 years ago, my, my first squadron commander said to me, what do you think you're going to do on the other end of this? I go, I'm not planning on having a, a retirement at the other end of this. I'm, I'm planning on working until I'm dead because this, this level of spending that we're doing right now is not sustainable. At some point, our economy will collapse because the amount of money. We only had a you know, $6 trillion deficit back then. Now we're at, what, $30 trillion? Yeah, yeah, that's, gonna, that's sustainable. At some point, the system has to collapse. And I would rather be, I would rather be attached to people that were working outside of that system of control and starving 
than in that system under their under their thumb. I will not live under that, and you shouldn't either. But that's what they're that's what they're working towards, and this this notion that we're going to go kick doors and we're going to shoot a bunch of people that's not real. You don't know who is working with the enemy. We know we know the public faces, but you don't know anybody behind the scenes. And you don't know how many of those people are believers. There's a difference between somebody who's doing it out of obligation and somebody who's a believer. And believers are fanaticals. Those the the that fanatical view in DC right now is off the fucking charts. That whole mindset and this is what I was saying. This is why I was saying several months ago that there's been a cultural shift in this country because of that. Look at look at all the people that are believers in the trans ideology. They are they are fucking cults. It's a cult, and there's no other way to explain it. This liberalism that you're seeing in D.C. is a cult. And the only way for that to go away is you have to collapse everything that they have any kind of power over. You have to collapse all of it and take away all their power and then marginalize them. And at the same time, you have to build a system that's an alternative that they cannot be a part of unless they adopt those principles. But some of those people, and I saw this in the desert, there were people that were, and, and I'm not talking about the insurgency in Iraq. I'm talking about people that were believers, that we were infidels. They were believers. You could not convince them. You could not sway them. You could not move them off the needle. They were fucking fanatics. There was only one way to deal with them, jail them or shoot them. There was no other way to deal with them. Some of these people are in that category, but some of them will spin out of control and harm themselves because they won't be able to adapt to a regular society. And that's why I've focused so much time on social on social media and the, and the narratives, because people don't realize just how powerful social media has influenced the cultural narrative across the planet. And we're seeing the pendulum swing the other way now. A bulk of the society is completely tired of the narratives. They're tired of the 1% having the voice. They're tired of this gay trans agenda. They're tired of seeing it in every single movie, theater, fucking picture, advertisement, TV show. They're tired of it. They're also tired of the entire conversation about cancel culture, pronouns, and all that other useless horse shit. You're seeing it swing the other way. And because of that, you're seeing people on those fringes not able to adapt to society. And we're going to see a whole bunch of those people go off the reservation because they won't be able to adapt to society coming back to the center. Part of this is by design. Part of it is just division, division, division. That's all it's about. Throw people into buckets, have the buckets fight amongst themselves. The, the, only, the only thing that will save our society is for everybody to unify 
against one enemy. It's not Iran. It's not Iraq. It's not Russia. It's the elite. Those are the people using the intelligence agencies to push the gay agenda, the trans agenda, the pronouns, the satanic stuff. Now I'm seeing fucking cannibalism. I've seen that in four different movies now. I'm seeing it in TV shows using human human um, meat and cooking shows. I've seen that in two different shows now. And then my favorite is all the dark satanic titles and Luciferian titles that are laced throughout Netflix and now through Amazon and now in Disney, all the dark overtones and all the different plots that are all wrapped up in Satanism. It's, it's laced throughout our entire society. People are tired of it. The entire society is like, we've had enough. That's why you're seeing all of these woke barking seals struggling for ratings because people are tuning out. That's exactly what we have to do when they try and enforce the control measures. Tune them out. Stop doing mass non-compliance, mass non-governance. And I'll tell you where it's going to start, folks. It's going to start this year with taxes. There will be an absolute fucking revolt against the IRS this year. The whole 84,000 enforcement officers, you know what that was all about? They're going to go after small businesses that they don't like, gun businesses, ammunition businesses, tactical suppliers, gun ranges. They're going to go after all those guys, and they're going to go after them for taxes. And guess what? It's when people get their tax bill that they're going to revolt because they're going to realize that 50% of their income is going to the government that is frivolously lining their pockets with it. It's that realization that is going to bring a lot of people together. Then the next realization that they're going to have is that the elite are never going to do anything about the border. They are going to continue like all this border stuff, this, this BS around Ego Pass. It's, it's a fucking park. It's literally 300 yards of dirt. You go a mile in either direction, wide open. And the guard, border patrol, and probably the local police are all helping these guys and moving them to camps. It's all show. It's all bullshit. If, if, if Abbott was serious about doing something about the border, he would have closed this shit in 2021. But what has he done? Make excuses, make excuses, make excuses. It's all, it's all theater, and people are starting to see through it. That's why, as much as I'd love to say that the trucker convoy is a bad idea, my, the first time I heard about it, I was like, what's the point of this? What are they trying to do? What's the end state they want to reach? Now, if it's to go down there as a show of force, okay, great. If it's to go down there and build barriers, even better. But if it's to go down there and fuck with the Border Patrol or with the National Guard or worse, with law enforcement, you're just playing in the hands of the elite. If you go down there and you're actually helping to build, you know, the border wall and, and strengthen the border, hey, great. But the question then becomes, who's going to monitor it so the DHS doesn't go out there and cut holes in the wall again? Because that's exactly what they're going to do. Open the gates and cut holes in the wall. So there's got to be a bigger purpose to it. But I think it's a great idea to bring people together. I think it's a great idea for people to unite. And I think it's a great idea to do it in a peaceful manner. So, hey, 
Have at it. But don't expect big results. If you want big results, it's got to be sustained like the farmers are doing in Germany and France right now. And you got to up the ante every week. You got to make it unbearable for the elite, for them to capitulate. And you have to up the ante every week and take something else off the plate for them. Right now, the French are taking food off the shelves of the stores for the elite in Paris and the elite in other parts of the country. Why? Because next week they're going to take water off the table. And that's the only way they're going to take control of their country. That's the only way we're going to take control of our country is to stop making things move. And the more we stop, the next thing we do, we take something else away. And we keep taking the shit away until they capitulate or the system collapses. But the longer this goes, especially in France, like the farmers, they're good to go. They're going to, they're taking care of each other. They got, they've got their own little ecosystem going on. They're helping people in the country. It's the people in the big cities that are supporting the elite. Guess what? They're going to starve them out. And you don't think that's going to happen here? That's absolutely going to have to happen here. We're going to have to shut down commerce in every single elite controlled area. San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C. It's going to have to shut down logistics so nothing's moving in and out of there. And then, then we have to shut something else down. The system has to be literally unattended to the point of failure, meaning nobody goes to work. We have our own little ecosystem completely outside of that. And I'm telling you, that is the quickest way to system collapse and capitulation. And that's the only way that we're going to get through this. The elite are counting on people to get along and go along. They are not counting on people sitting down going, how you do that yourself? In fact, most of the stuff I've, I've been posting to, to Twitter, especially to guys like Lindsey Graham, um, Adam Kissinger, whatever that pussy's name is, Kissinger. I've been saying the same thing to all of them. Instead of saying you're a coward, I'm like, why don't you put on some battle rattle and go fight in Ukraine? You want us to do it? You want to go to Iran? Put on your battle rattle, be a big boy, put on your big boy pants, and go fight the fight. Otherwise, shut the fuck up. And that's literally how the entire country has to go. They have to go into, we're not going to do this. The other, and, and the last thing I want to talk through is don't get wrapped up in the emotional side of this. The emotional side of this is what the, the elite have used for generations to manipulate you. And if you if you listen to War of the Worlds, go listen to the old radio broadcast. I think you can listen to it on YouTube. I know you can find it on Spotify. Go listen to the whole broadcast. Because that was a lightning bolt for every intelligence service on the planet. It literally gave the intelligence services the keys to the kingdom for manipulating an entire population. And it literally, it, it, I, I literally have read things on the intelligence side as well as on the clandestine side that talk about that specific radio cast and why it was so pivotal in both the operation of governments 
as well as the operation of intelligence services. Every single intelligence service on the planet took note of that radio broadcast because it sent a lightning bolt through the population and scared the hell out of an entire population. And they have used that recipe for generations to galvanize the public behind one narrative or another. They did the they did the same thing in Pearl Harbor. We knew Pearl Harbor was coming. FDR knew Pearl Harbor was coming. We had intelligence that the Japanese fleet had left left port. They knew that Pearl Harbor was a target. What they didn't believe is they didn't believe that they could attack ships in, in port because it was such a shallow port with torpedoes. And the Japanese figured out how to do that. That should sound very reminiscent to the fact that we fielded all, all this heavy armor in in the Ukraine and we watched it destroyed by by drones. Drones have changed the shape of the battlefield, just like airplanes changed the shape of the battlefield in World War II. The carrier made battleships obsolete. They were obsolete before Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor galvanized that every single battleship that we owned was a waste of money. The only thing they were after that moment was a gun platform for softening up targets for amphibious landings. That was the only thing they were good for. And we brought the Missouri and the Iowa-class battleships out of mothballs two times after World War II. The last time was in the 80s. And what did we use them for? We used to naval gunfire for onshore targets. That was the only thing we used them for. And they were massively expensive. Every single technology that we fielded has been obsolete at some point. And our leadership were the ones who never figured that out until it was too late. And why it's important right now is we're seeing a revolution, not just on the battlefield, but those drones are going to be used everywhere now. They're going to be used in cities. They're they're being used right now to surveil entire populations across the across the country and across the globe. They're using specific drones to target individuals. The the landscape has changed. The only way that we make that, we render those obsolete, nobody moves. Nobody does anything. Guess what? They can have all the drones they want. But they don't have enough to kill everybody. And at some point, they're going to run out of shit. And then they're going to run out of the capability to build that shit. Because here's the best part of being where you are right now. Every one of us is a builder. The only thing the elite create is bullshit. They don't create anything else. They don't build their homes. They don't grow their food. They don't build their cars. They don't repair their cars. They don't do any of that. All they do is create bullshit. And all they propagate is more bullshit. We are the ones that control how they live. And they don't realize it yet because they're divorced from society. So the best thing that we can do and the hill we die on is unity. Until we unify as a country, as a population, they're going to continue to have wins. But that doesn't mean they're winning. It just means they have short-term wins. And and I, I know that people think that things look bleak right now. They're not. We have way more way more going for us than the elite do. And the, the thing that the, the last thing I want to impart on everybody is remember the fact that when we started World War II, that we were 
we were completely outgunned. We knew we couldn't hold the Philippines. We knew we couldn't hold any of our foreign territory. We couldn't even sustain it because we had given away so many ships and so much equipment through Lend-Lease. We knew we couldn't hold it, but we, we fought on anyway as a delay tactic. And then the midway moment happened. That moment has not arrived yet, but it will arrive. And when it arrives, most people aren't going to realize that it's happened, but the elite will know. And one of those moments has already happened, and most people still don't realize it. The cultural narrative shifted to alternative media almost a year and a half ago. Why do you think that the elite in D.C. are so focused on disinformation and are so focused on trying to control Bitcoin and trying to control platforms? I can tell you why. Because they know they don't have the cultural narrative and they know they're not getting it back. That was the first midway moment. The next midway moment is going to be when we create our own economic systems completely outside of the federal government where they have no fucking control over it. Guess what? Game over for them. Because when people and communities realize that they can be self-sufficient without having to have the shit fairy show up with a bunch of stuff, guess what? That's when the communities realize they don't need the federal government to operate. And then, and only then, will people realize that we don't need the federal government in and of itself. All of those things are yet to happen. Some of them have already happened. But the biggest part is people need to realize they don't need the federal system to survive. And part of that's going to happen with tax, the tax bill hits. I'm telling you. I, the last two years, I bought a fucking missile with the amount of taxes I paid. And I'm sure other people are going to do that this year. The point is, not all is lost. We actually have the upper hand right now. People don't even realize it. So I say all the time, lose the fear. Nothing to be scared of. There really isn't anything to be scared of. And more importantly, remember, you have people around you, whether you think so or not, that are thinking the exact same things you are. They may not voice them, but they're around you. They just need a catalyst to unite. That's all. Be that leader. Be that person that makes the human connection. Because it will, it will serve you well. And the last thing I want to say is I want to shout out to, to Alpha v, uh, UK. Uh, Alpha, I, I, I appreciate your feedback when I put that out in the channel the other day. I, I, I appreciate your feedback. I know that you, you had some conversations with, uh, with a specific individual. Uh, hopefully that has been resolved. But I just want you to know, Matt, I appreciate your feedback. And I appreciate the fact that you, A, responded to me in the channel, and B, gave me your honest opinion. I, I really appreciate that. So many thanks. But lose the fear, folks. Remember, we're all in this together, whether you like it or not. And there is no place to go or run to. So you might as well dig your heels in and get ready for a long haul. Because it's coming whether you like it or not. And the la the very last thing that uh, that I want to put out is somebody said to me that uh, you're incredibly raw, Colonel. And I went, yes, I am. I'm talking this way specifically because we have talked around issues 
for way too long. I am talking to the issue right directly at it so that there's no ambiguity about what the issue is. And if we all start doing that, all of this cancel culture and all this other nonsense will go away. And it'll go away quickly. We have to get back to the place where we speak to the problem and then solve the problem instead of trying to soften the language so that no one's offended and no one's hurt by my language. Blah, blah, blah. Go fuck yourselves. Talk to, talk to the problem. That's fucked up. How are you going to unfuck that? Imagine how that works when people talk to the problem. But it is what it is. Anyway, folks, we'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, be 4 p.m. Mountain. That's 4 p.m. Arizona racist time. Or sorry, 5 p.m. Arizona racist time. 4 p.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I forgot that I'm on Arizona racist time and that we don't change our clocks back. Ah, I love, I love, I love this whole toxic culture. It's fantastic sometimes. God bless everyone. We'll see you tomorrow night. One team, one fight.